0: This is David Shoemaker, a.k.a. The Mask Man, here to talk to you about the boatload of money you can make this week betting at MyBookie. You think you know who's going to win the game, right? Well, it's time to put your money where your mouth is. Join thousands of online players just like me and start betting at MyBookie. If you join now, MyBookie will match your deposit with a 100% bonus. Use the promo code MASKED, that's M-A-S-K-E-D, to activate the offer. Visit MyBookie today or call 844-900-BETS. You play, you win, you get paid. Expert or rookie, you gotta check out my bookie. Sign up today. Welcome to this very, very special uh, post-clasher champions episode of the Masked Man Show. I'm David Shoemaker, a.k.a. the Mask Man. I'm here with Sam Donsky. Sam, how we doing?
1: Good, I'm just uh, finalizing my bid for TNA and... Um...
0: This is good. I think if go. we put if we, if we we pool our assets. I've we got pool, $20 in my pocket right now. <laughs> if we pool our lavish ringer salaries, this could be that we, we might actually be able to make some noise here. Or I think that if we pool their ringer salaries, we might be able to make an offer better than what Vince McMahon <laughs> put forward. Um, there is a whole lot. We don't talk about TNA a lot on this show. Um, don't get a lot of complaints for it. Get a lot more complaints when we skip important uh, lucha underground events and and that sort of thing. But the uh, but yeah, TNA is is officially for sale. Bound for Glory is coming up supposedly on Sunday, but there's some question as to whether or not it'll even happen if the sale doesn't go through. Um, WWE or Vince McMahon made some sort of lowball offer. The rumor is, and uh, and there are now a couple other people who are who are bidding for it. One of them is uh, a close confidant of yours, Billy Corgan, because, of course, that's
1: like a kind of, it feels like, I mean, he's been around the company for a, a little while now, but it still s- feels like a just kind of WTF Mad Libs. Like, if you were just sort of inventing, like, what is, like, the most TNA situation possible, it would be, you know, a bidding war between Vince McMahon and
0: Billy Corgan. That Vince well, wasn't th- invested enough to marketing. win. <laughs> um, we should in, in the interest of full disclosure, as we started this we started this podcast, uh we got kicked out of the keeping it sixteen hundred, the lavish uh leather couch filled keeping it sixteen hundred studios, and we're now in a closet recording this. But as we sat down, um we had we each had an internet window open. Mine was TNA roster and Sam yours was Billy Corgan net worth. Um just take a
1: second and guess his net worth to yourself. <laughs> I have no idea what the answer here is
0: um just guess okay can we just say a number yes yeah, a number hoof um i'm just gonna say he's been really good with his money they were a huge band right and he got all the writing credits He did a lot of production like producing i'm just gonna say 200 million dollars million. Oh this wow i see getting. i was i was, I was yeah. going high that's what i'm getting just from googling um but uh so maybe he maybe he's got a lot. Maybe he's got like a Smashing Pumpkins limited on like the in like the Virgin Island somewhere where he's like hiding all of his cash. And then Vince is Vince is a
1: billionaire, like kind of a kind of borderline billionaire. Yeah. So it's it's like Billy Corgan's a fifty million, but he seems to really want it, and Vince's billion,
0: but he seems like he's like hate bidding. Right. So. <sighs> It's there's so much there's so much and yet so little to wrap your mind around here. I mean the presumption is that Vince McMahon wants the tape library and maybe that's it. Do you know? Well, I mean if he if he wanted another another TV slot, he could get it.
1: Right. Well, there's right, there's kind of the the sort of backdoor incentive similar and like it's very evocative of the WCW situation on a smaller scale, right? But that the backdoor incentive is if he buys it, he will obviously shut it down. So right. it would be buying it to kill it.
0: Yeah, let's just let's let's give him the benefit of the doubt. Or let's give him... Yeah, I mean, let's say that he would buy it and just keep running it as a third brand and have a separate creative team. We know this isn't going to happen. But, like, are there... What are the assets of of TNA? Let's say he could get him on a little bit of a better chance. I mean, maybe it becomes a U- another USA show, like, on Saturday nights or something like that.
1: Yeah, so, I mean, I think that there's... Like, I think clearly the... Hardys, uh, for sure, to the extent that independent of this sale conversation, there were rumors that um, WWE was angling to bring the Hardys back on board once their contracts are up right. in the spring. So, that for sure, especially with the final deletion so- and all that, Matt Hardys
0: you know. Yeah, I think Matt I mean Matt Hardy's stock has never been higher. Jeff Jeff gave an interview the other day where he said he wasn't interested in just going going back to WWE and burning out in 3 months. You know, he like he he prefers the TNA schedule and when you look at their roster there's a lot of people who presumably fall into that category, right? I mean, the people that you like I mean maybe not a lot, but but you know, Bobby Lashley is not interested seemingly in being a full-time wrestler. Um and the Hardy Boys, and, and you know, there's there's they've had they they've done they've had some guy on the roster, some guys in the roster who are you know, I mean the Kurt Angle types who are maybe a little bit past their prime and not you know not, not particularly capable of working a full time WWE schedule. Well, I think that I mean not that he's such a big name, but I
1: think James Storm was in NXT and made the calculus that working you know a few dates at TNA for more money, this was you know worth it to him. Over the I mean, NXT
0: he was Ryan. in t- he was in NXT. Oh yeah, he like was. Oh man, I, d- I totally missed that. A- I like James Storm, man. I mean, he's yeah, good, I like James Storm. Too. He's a good. But he's had some injury stuff. Too. I mean, there have been periods where it looked like his career was done. And, and he's, he's not. It's
1: not like James Storm's. You know, twenty five. You know?
0: No. I mean, but and then and then the rest of them. I mean, you talked about the Hardys being on WWE's radar. I mean, there, he's not. I mean, obviously Drew Galloway is somebody who's who has been employed recently with WWE, and and you know, no one'd be surprised to see him back. Ethan Carter, who knows. But when you would kind of put him in that category, Mike Bennett has been rumored to go to WWE. You know, at the end of you know this current contract for like three contracts. You know, I mean, he's that's always the rumor there. Um, I mean, it's not like
1: the the roster's not barren, right? Like you could there's a few guys on their roster that if I told you, okay, in a year, um, in a year, Ethan Carter is going to be. I see an, an upper mid card yeah. WWE talent. You wouldn't that wouldn't be crazy. No, no, no. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't
0: I don't think so at all. I mean, I've long I've 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 been saying that Eddie Edwards could be um could be a WWE star, particularly now they have a cruiserweight division that he'd probably fit in uh for for so long that now it's probably not feasible anymore, but I you know, I I I like Eddie Edwards. I mean, there's a um I don't know. They've got some they've got some talent there via the, uh, the
1: the last, like, sort of funny wrinkle of the prospect of TNA getting sold to Vince is Cody Rhodes, just sort of, you know, free from the, you know, WWE right. after all these years, finally out on his own. He's, I think he's, like, in talks with TNA, and then his wife is signed. To wrestle there, to, apparently. With TNA, and for, that, for them to get sold to WWE would be... A cruel twist. Yeah,
0: I mean, I don't think that's that. I mean, I I would assume he has other options to, uh, you know, to pay the bills. But yeah, it's it's sort of a weird thing. I mean, listen, the wrestling world has always needed competition to WWE. I think it's just hard to get too invested in this uh, story because it's just hard to imagine TNA ever getting to that point. I mean, it's and I don't think that they have. I mean, honestly, people have been making fun of their name since the day they launched, and I think that that's probably one of the biggest problems they have with. I mean, if they if they were a slightly more legitimate, I mean, like, slightly more established, slightly more successful, slightly better named company, like, you could imagine, you know, William Morris Endeavor getting in. Like, I mean, they wouldn't be paying sure. all the money they paid for UFC, but you could imagine them saying, we want a wrestling promotion, and maybe it'll fail, but we're gonna make, we're gonna, you know, try really hard to make it work.
1: There's no question it, it could work. It's just, yeah, they don't have, like, it's, you'd have to, you have to, one it's one of those situations where I think you have to, you know, put in money to make money, and it's not, I don't think, you know, that um, it seems like unless, you know, uh, someone with money to really bleed bought TNA, um, that they'd kind of be out of luck. And I don't think Billy Corgan's that guy. No shots at, you know, 50 millionaires listening.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, Well, listen. Maybe maybe Billy Corgan is the genius that the wrestling industry needs, and he hasn't just been able to show his stuff at TNA.
1: Well, he's. I was reported. I I forgot. I read that um, he was going to change the name. That's that's part of his plan. He said he'll change the name. Uh, He also said that he um, was going to. I think make a movie, a Final Deletion movie, which. that sounds a like idea. a <laughs> sounds like a money loser. All right, I think I'm like losing money just thinking about it. Um, oh my gosh! But so yeah, I mean,
0: I think in wrestling, in the wrestling industry, and just in life, there is a, there are many instances where you where if you if you say, look at this awesome, successful five minute thing, let's make a two hour thing. They you're like you're that's that's just an incorrect sta- incorrect idea. Like ninety nine percent of the time. Do you care
1: about like the tape library like aspect of it? Like, are you someone who? If, I mean, obviously there's YouTube and stuff, but the, the idea of having like, you know, the last, or that you know that decade that lost lost in quotes decade of like AJ Styles having that on the network is that something that hmm. is like appealing to it's you? It's funny
0: when I think when I when I go when I go on YouTube rabbit holes and watch AJ Styles matches, I I don't feel I know he's had some they had that killer one against Samoa Joe and and uh, Chris, Christopher Daniels. But I I feel like I end up watching more of his, like, not, like, indie stuff than, or or Japan stuff than TNA. Um, I, I mean, yeah, I mean, I guess, like, when I, like, the TNA stuff that I end up watching is, like, it's almost like the more of the wrestle crap, and and I don't mean that. I don't really mean this is like a knock. Like they've done some of my favorite TNA moments to relive are like Scott Steiner's TNA heyday, yeah, and the band, yeah. I mean like the the Millionaire Mafia or whatever. Like there there is just some great like ill conceived moments. But again, they, when you just give when you just let, give wrestlers the opportunity to fill up thirty minutes of a show, sometimes some good stuff will come out of it. Um, and also there's like the famous Jay Lethal, Ric Flair impersonation, um, which if you, I, there's no one who's listening to this who hasn't seen it, but if you haven't seen it, just, just Google it right now. It's the, it's the best impression in the history of impressions. Um, anyway, that's enough talk about TNA. That's a, for that's a, that's a lot of TNA. That's the most time I've ever spent talking about TNA on a podcast, I think. So um, Well, wha- we had clash with... The, Clash of Champions, WWE Clash of Champions this weekend, um, and then it was followed up by. do we get a? T- no, we didn't get a title match on Raw. We got a title match on SmackDown. Title match on SmackDown. Um, and then like there, it just, it just seems like there's so many big matches. There's so many career defining matches and on a week to week basis that um, it all kind of gets. It all blurs together for me um Monday night we had a presidential debate, which was the real you know like it was, that was probably the the biggest moment i mean the biggest thing of that night it certainly killed monday night football and, and 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 you it it killed the raw rating too yeah I think it was the lowest i think it was the lowest raw
1: rating they've ever done i'm pretty sure
0: yeah um which I, I guess makes sense. I'll be honest with you. I was I was watching uh, I was rewatching TNA. I mean TNA. I was rewatching SmackDown uh, this morning before we recorded, and went back to watch Raw just like just to I'll watch the last ten minutes of Raw just to sort of have that fresh in my mind and realized I hadn't watched the last hour of Raw. because <laughs> I like switched to the debate, never turned back, and just forgot that I had stopped. Um, I mean that the main event
1: of Raw was a. Skip. It was not a yeah. I mean, it was, it was like, a
0: mid-card match from yeah. a couple months ago,
1: right? You could you could totally skip that.
0: Not even that. Yeah. So anyway, I mean, but it's. I've complained about it before that WWE needs to somehow manage our the viewers' expectations to let us know what we can skip, a li- you know, so that you don't feel like you're missing everything. But um, I don't want to get too far away from um, the. We actually had a big event this weekend, which was Clash of Champions. It was. Kevin Owens' first title defense, um, Seth, cool. Seth Rollins' first uh, pay-per-view as a presumable as a nominal babyface. Um, we can run we can run through the run through really quickly. I mean, the New Day. Uh, stop me if you have opinions that, sure. that I'm that I'm just like trampling all over. The New Day f- versus Gallows and Anderson feud feels like has felt for a while like they're just waiting for something, like to get another tag team ready to face the winner? Like, it's it's just a placeholder feud at this point? Yeah, it's really
1: clear now in retrospect not to jump around the card, but that they hatched the Cesaro-Sheamus plan at some point and realized that, okay, that's going to be jump-started on the Raw after a clash. Yeah. And they just had... Anderson and Gallows sort of play out the string, yeah, and which is unfortunate because this was pretty
0: good. I thought, like, I don't think I feel like the best. I mean, I feel like this has been Sunday and Monday were like actually two real banner nights for this feud, but and and part of that was just because it did feel a little bit like a throwaway. The expectations were a little bit lowered, and and they just went out there and had really good matches. Kofi Kingston managed to explode his face on Raw, which was. Kind yeah, of exciting. that was that was crazy. But they show raw start with two title rematches back to back. Yeah, I mean that. I uh, mean that's that's what I'm talking about. I'm just like it's such a blur. Like I can't, It's hard to it's hard to talk about the tag team match of the pay per view without talking about the without immediately talking about the raw match. I mean, I don't know if that's you know if that's on purpose.
1: I mean, obviously it's on purpose. But I don't know if that's like to have them both. If that's sort of a directional, like okay, this is a th- type of thing that we're doing now or if that's just kind of they were sort of planning on the fly and needed i mean honestly the reigns rusev match felt like they were like killing time it felt like it was like on raw on raw felt like it was
0: like um yeah it did feel like it was it did feel like it
1: was uh, like long with a purpose like long to be long
0: yeah, I mean, we've seen this. We've seen this over. The, I mean, this is nothing new, right? Where WWE will sometimes kind of book a match on Raw the way they wish they had done it on the pay per view, or wish they had had time to do it on the pay per view, or, or what have you. Um, but anyway, sorry know. to go
1: back to Clash. I didn't mean to. Yeah, yeah. No,
0: that's it. It's impossible to talk about one yeah. without talking about the other. The uh, I mean, R- Reigns and Rusev are, ha- have decent chemistry. Are sort of developing a, an even better chemistry. Um, a little bit on the fly. I I mean, I think that, that I don't think either of them, I don't think this is the right pairing is, you know, that we're going to get the best matches, but these are both good wrestlers, man. They're both good workers. And I, and I enjoy, I, I, I've I've enjoyed this feud. I feel like they, I think they've got about all they could get out of this feud. Now they probably hope WWE probably hoped they would get a lot more, but,
1: and it's not over. It's definitely going to.
0: Sure. uh, No, we got Roman Reigns, uh, destroying Rusev with a chair right
1: i mean it's hard it's really hard to say like kind of like with with reigns like i get you can very easily see what they're thinking putting the us title on him i mean it certainly was a runaway hit the with the belt being on cena and a lot of their reigns mo has been kind of to be a sort of baby cena and you can see them kind of wanting to replicate the yeah. that Kind of make a a fighting face champion.
0: It's funny that you bring that up because there was a weird, there was just a kind of bizarre rumor um, uh, that Roman Reigns got heat from Vince and Triple H backstage for sitting on the chair um, before he hit Rusev with the chair because that was a heel move.
1: That was a weird moment. Like (laughs) Like it was so. It's like it's like he kind of can't win sometimes it really seemed like the the anticipation for him hitting Rusev with that chair seemed like the most over he's been in a while it seemed I was like sort of thinking myself like wow like you know good for for Roman and you just needed that chair shot and like obviously Roman would like do the thing that um sort of went against the grain of of the heat and just sat there. Um, and then he, I guess he gave them the chair shot at the end, but still it was like, yeah, was I mean, like, but it's
0: almost like he understands that he needs to be a heel more than, uh, more than Vince and Triple H do. Anyway, I, we need to come back to it. We need to circle back around to this because I think that we, I discussed this a little bit last week. I want to go into a little bit more depth. I wrote, you know, 90% of a piece and never, never published it about the subject. You know, there, there's definitely a dearth of, Baby faces on Raw, and just sort of in general, and and that's probably a lot of what they're thinking. But let's run through the rest of Clash of Champions before we get lost. Um, T.J. Perkins defeated Brian Kendrick. Brian, uh, the Brian Kendrick, uh, attacked Perkins after the match. I mean, I, I kind of I admire that they're going really kind of old school with the cruiserweight division, and this feud is the you know the sort of the most old school template feud you can you can imagine. This is a this is a student and mentor sort of situation, and then um, you know the, the show of the show of mutual respect at the end is tarnished by a by a very by a heel turn you could have seen coming hundred miles away.
1: I mean, I was I thought it was I was actually
0: kind of worried that it was going to be
1: not that I thought it was anything special, but I was worried that it was going to be dead, and it wasn't. No, yeah. compared to
0: Raw, where yeah. they had the, the six man or the with the tag team match that nobody even realized was happening, apparently. Uh that was good. Yeah, that that was really good. Um Cesaro and Sheamus I loved this match. This is re- it was really good. It was really good. And I I mean and I and I um I think I mean this this kind of goes back to the managing expectations thing. I feel like WWE kind of shot themselves in the foot. I, like here here's here's where we need our brains are messed up as wrestling fans. We love the idea of a best of 7 series. Like kind of in the abstract, and then, as soon as they book it, we're bored before the first match even happens and then but then now it's over, and I'm just like oh i I want to watch I would love to see these you know i'm, I'm gonna I want to go back and watch the best of seven series, like just all in a row it it was yeah, it, it's a very it's a strange it, it's a, it's a strange kind of dis like it just kind of discomfort that we that I feel like I hear see a lot on the internet, I mean, they just needed to I don't know what the solution
1: was, but yeah it. None of, I mean, they could have done the same exact program, almost beat for beat, in best of three. I mean, they, like, like it was um, Sheamus winning, but it was three in a row, and then Cesaro winning, but it was three in a row, and then a draw. I mean, you know, you could have saved a lot of, I mean, I don't know. Yeah. Three classics would have been better than... Whatever yeah, or,
0: or I mean, and listen, I like the idea. Again, I like the idea of a best in seven series. I think it's a good underutilized sort of. I mean, it's it. I mean, you shouldn't do it all the time, but, um, but yeah, you could also see a thing where they were just like, you guys are going to keep having matches every week on Raw until one until it one until it ends in a pin or submission, and then just have it keep have them keep getting disqualified or something like that every week. Like you could just draw out the tension in a way. That where you can't... Pre- like, the moment they said best of seven series, everybody said looked at their calendar and said Clash of Champions. Yeah. You know, that, that's going to be the blow-off.
1: Well, I mean, this... I mean, Cesar, besides for Cesaro almost dying, which was, I, I guess, a negative.
0: Oh, that when he jumped through, jumped out of the ring and landed, deli- like, seemingly on purpose, jumped straight onto his skull.
1: Yeah, so I don't want to sound enthusiastic about that, but otherwise, this was I've, this was the match of the night for me. Sure. Um, I was like... Really into it. I think the crowd was really into it, yeah. which was like not, I think, a uh, foregone conclusion. You know, I think that no, this to, ma-
0: that kudos yeah. to the crowd. I mean, it was it, they were, it was definitely it was uh it was definitely a hot crowd. At least you know it felt like a smart crowd. And as someone who grew up in Louisville, uh, I don't have the highest opinion of people from Indianapolis. So you know,
1: <laughs> I mean, no, I mean, you know, I, this was a good crowd. I thought because I mean, we get to the other matches later, but I thought that they were. Surprisingly flat for a surprisingly flat main event. So I thought they were kind of yeah. Were like a good
0: um, Chris Jericho and Sammy Zayn. I have uh, like I, I enjoyed the match. I've enjoyed this sort of little mini Fine. feud, but but it's you know there's not much to be said about it.
1: I feel like Sam. I mean, I love Sammy, but yeah, that is kind of like his vibe right now. It seems like he's just a, a walking, you know, three and a half star match that you don't really think much about after the fact. Yeah. Or four-star, you know what I mean? Sort of like, it's so, he's so, like, he seems like he's kind of just sort of treading water and he's kind of like that upper mid-card face that they just kind of put I, in wherever.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that they've done the minim, the bare minimum of, they've made the right choice and at the minimal level by kind of keeping him um, peripheral to the Kevin Owens storyline but in a in a bigger sense he just needs he needs an arc you know he needs a storyline that, that matters because um, you can't call somebody an underdog unless he's actually fighting against something you know and that's yeah. and, and he, there's just not there's there's no direction
1: i mean to his credit though he's they could probably on a dime elevate him and he'd be up to it yeah. and he'd get over enough i mean he sure. i feel confident uh, in him going forward
0: yeah, I mean, I still, th- I, don't, I still don't think that we're quite at you know Kevin Owens versus Sami Zayn for the championship, but but that is no. you you could imagine you could imagine that mm-hmm. in the not too terribly distant future. Also, just giving Jericho the pin was just like I I, I always I, go, yeah. I feel a little bit reluctant every time I want to compare something that happens in WWE to ind- indie wrestling when there's indie, when there's these like recent indie transplants who are who are part of the match, but like that just felt like such a. Indie wrestling thing where it's just like it, this isn't a major feud, so let's just so it really doesn't matter who wins, and that both guys ended up looking really good walking out of the match. It was weird. I mean, I kind of go
1: back and forth because I I definitely get I get um when like Jericho will come back and he'll do one of these runs and he only loses sure. that gets annoying, right? Yeah. So like like I, I think that the like I I hated. In the moment I hated him getting this pin and in the moment I hated him getting the I think it's right, it's clean pin on AJ at WrestleMania. Yeah. But I guess like in the kind of macro sense it it's like we talk about how great this Jericho run has been and without a couple of wins it would, like, it, would, it, would it, it would be a lot be, less yeah so also
0: I, I know everyone listens to this for my weekly uh commentary on Chris Jericho's pants or lack thereof I was really disappointed that he went back to the briefs on Sunday only but I but I felt a lot better on Monday when he was back in the long leather pants I think that's definitely more of a creepy rock and roll dad look that he should be exploiting at this point in his career.
1: I, yeah, I, it's a, not even a question. I need Jericho in pants.
0: Um, also, Chris Jericho apparently antagonized Ashton Kutcher to the point where he's going to be on Raw next week. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like,
1: I won't. You know, I'm, if Jericho's involved, I, like, I think there's like, a chance that it could be, it could be. Fine, this is just. A,
0: I agree. Jericho is the right guy to kind of feed to that storyline, but like, if you got to have Kutcher and Danny Masterson show up on Raw, but at the same time, it's like. Anyways, if we could keep them a few degrees further away from the title picture, I'd be happy. That's
1: right. That's the, well, he, and that's kind of the, I guess, the gift of Jericho is that <laughs> you can have him, you know, he's the only guy who could get away with being, you know, one degree from. I mean, I, I thought that there was a chance that the, I, maybe there is a chance that after Clash, I th- my thinking was that they were going to actually insert him in the title picture, that yeah. that was why. He went over Zayn. Was that they were going to do some Jericho Owens Rollins situation?
0: It's funny how many they do a whole lot of triple threat title matches on on house shows, touring shows yeah. all over the place, and I I'm sure it's just to get the mo, the maximum amount of excitement out of a you know a match like that, and also you don't want to do a clean you know title match. It makes I mean you could, but um, maybe it feels like a foregone conclusion, but. Uh, but yeah, I mean that would be an interesting that would be an interesting turn. Let's keep going. Uh, Charlotte uh, defeated Bailey and Sasha. Any big surprise there?
1: No, I mean at this point, at this point, I just am really enjoying. I, I'm really enjoying Charlotte's reign. I think that yeah, Charlotte's just a really like she's the best. Uh, I don't know. She's the most consistent heel. In the, in the company, arguably, right now. I mean, I just really enjoy it, and I feel like, you know, until there's a compelling reason to take the belt off of her, I would just rather her be a dominant heel champ. I mean, that being said, I have a feeling Sasha's gonna win the belt back.
0: How, and how does that make you feel? <laughs>
1: <laughs> I don't know, I mean, I don't know it's we it's just really just for
0: the for the people who are listening to this, you should know that we text about wrestling as it's going on, Sam and I do all the time and and our kind of low simmering disappointment with Sasha is one of the most frequent conversations that we have it's it's from a place of
1: we want her to succeed because her upside might be. Her upside might be as high as literally anyone on the roster, right? Yeah. I mean, oh yeah, I think. Um, but yeah, I th- something just feels not right with Sasha's direction right now. Her um, I, her her scripted promos feel just really off, and they're not getting over. And she's not. Um, her even in the ring, I mean, it kind of just feels like a step off. I mean, I th- maybe it's me because of those close calls with her, like almost dying, yeah. that you kind of are watching skittishly, which makes the work rate seem skittish, even though it might just be kind of an illusion. But
0: I don't know. I don't. It seems like she's been a little sloppy. I so. don't. I, don't I, I agree, and I, I just I don't think there's anyone in the in the in all of WWE who is more adversely affected by. The fans' adoration of them than Sasha Banks, and I mean, and that it works in a lot of ways. I mean, one of them is um, she's probably in the position that she's in a little bit too early, too soon, because she's just so over. Two, she's um, working as just like a cookie cutter baby face when that's not her the character she should be working. But that's you know, the the fans cheer so much that it's just inescapable. And you know, and. I you know her interaction with Bailey I think actually pushes Sasha into the, a sort of better direction but um 1000%. But it's but yeah I mean I just think that and and part of it in the ring I mean continuing that same argument in the ring I think what you're saying is on I think our expectations are um at the same time really really high maybe too high for her and at this stage in her career and also you're right like we we care about like I, we're so invested that that you're paying closer attention. You know, you're like you're think you you're 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 more likely to notice when when there's a flub in the ring or something like that. I just think that it's that the fact that we all sort of agree that she's like you said has the biggest upside in the industry before she got halfway to fulfilling it. I think is is it, it puts her puts her and her career in a difficult spot.
1: I mean, to me. It seems like not that not to like fantasy book a solution, but it seems to me like it's you have in the women's division, you have two natural iconic heels for me in Charlotte and Sasha. You have two natural incredible baby faces in Becky and Bailey, and they should be Two and two on each, on each show. Uh, yeah. Of one like, one of those faces and one of those heels. That just seems too logical to me. Well, then like, you uh, but,
0: but you gotta yeah. I mean, it's it, they shouldn't be separated. I mean, there's they're sh- just or not- you should
1: have them all all four. Yeah. And, I mean, that's probably that's maybe maybe that is really it. The, the 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 women's division is one of the areas where the brand split has kind of. Um,
0: yeah, it's definitely hurt the division. I think if if you know the cruiserweights can have can be brand specific, then that's uh, that's not crazy. But we've we've covered that ground before, and we are where we are. I mean, I actually am enjoying the SmackDown women's division. Um, you know, I, I think in a lot of ways, there's a, I mean, SmackDown has been more enjoyable uh, because it's sort of a simpler show, you know, and they have less time. And and um, when you, I mean, it's just, it, they just are kind of hitting the beats. Really, just dead on, and I think the women, the women's division, is has, has benefited from that too. Um, That's bad, right? That I mean, it says a lot that the division that
1: just has one of the four horsewomen is probably the better division right now.
0: Yeah, sure. I mean, they like. I, but I, I, enjoy. I mean, I, I enjoyed the tag team match on Tuesday. I mean, yesterday. Uh, no, I agree with you. Yeah, I mean, they. But yeah, it's. I, I. I mean, and and Alexa Bliss, you know, is definitely stepping up. Quick break, guys. We'll be right back. But first, I want to talk to you about Dollar Shave Club. Uh, Guys, you don't need to choose between price and quality to get an amazing and affordable shave. DollarShaveClub.com is the answer. And to prove how amazing their shave really is, right now they're going to give you your first month free to join the club. Dollar Shave Club has amazing razors. They deliver them right to your door for a third of the price ...of what the greedy razor corporations charge. Seriously, I have no reason to deal with the drugstore hassle... ...and battle the locked up razor fortress ever again. And neither will you when you join the club... Uh, Sam, how's your Shave Club uh, membership going? Good? Really well. Yeah, you look you look incredibly baby-faced today. Uh, just go to dollarshaveclub.com and pick a razor that works for you from their lineup of amazing blades. And that's all there is to it. I get a first-class shave when I use the executive blade. And whenever uh, I use it with her Dr. Carver shave butter, the blade just glides gently for the smoothest shave ever. With, doc- with Dollar Shave Club, you can look, smell, and shave like a million bucks without paying for it. Here's your chance to see why over 3 million members like me love Dollar Shave Club. Dollar Shave Club is so confident in the quality of all their products. Now you can get your first month of the club for free. Just pay the shipping. After that, it's a few bucks a month, no long-term commitment, no hidden fees. There's no reason not to do it. So get yours at dollarshaveclub.com slash masked. That's dollarshaveclub.com slash M-A-S-K-E-D. We're we're actually running out of time because they're going to kick us out of here to do an NFL podcast. And if you want, just like you know, tweet at Robert Mays and tell him that he should he should quit trying to schedule his podcast when I'm doing mine. But um, but yeah. So we talked about Roman Reigns and Rusev, and then the Seth Seth Rollins versus Kevin Owens. We we have to we have to talk about this. Um, what was your takeaway from this match? It was
1: just weird. I mean, I think I you know I I'm going to avoid banging the same drum too hard over and over. But this seemed to me like the r- real manifestation of um, it seems like when, when Rollins came back from the injury, yeah. I mean, when we were just talking about it, you know, we were kind of talking about anticipating the pop he was going to get, you know, and I was just thinking to myself as I was walking over earlier, like, how many conversations in the last, you know, year or two that pertain to WWE can you even remember of uh, anticipatory pop? Like, a pop that you were just, like, thinking, like, wow, this is going to be through the Oh, yeah, absolutely. And and for them to, I mean, that stands alone for me. I think the Shane McMahon surprise pop is probably, like, the other, like, really transcendent one that comes to mind. But they knew that was going to happen. And to book against the grain of that, I think it was one of those things where at the time you could kind of argue it both ways. And I don't think they've really felt the consequences of it until now because – the Rollins-Reigns match happened and that was sort of interesting yeah. and the uh, SummerSlam was just interesting because it's SummerSlam and then the Triple H angle happened and that was, you know, interesting in and of itself. But this match felt like they were kind of getting finally the receipt on that decision, which is that if they had turned Rollins when he came back from the injury yes. and he had just been a hu- given into the crowd and let them just... Cheer the hell out of him for the last couple of months and just built him up as just this uh, you know giant baby face who had come back from this injury and had come back and the company had abandoned him and just did one of those angles I feel like they'd be in a much better place right now and this match to me really showed it because
0: the crowd just didn't even know yeah I think you're totally right. I think that there's a couple of things going on. I mean, but the, but it, what it boils down to is that they're just, the brand split is just, you know, laid bare, the the sort of lack of depth at the very top of the roster. And I think that that's not, that this isn't a knock. It's a totally reasonable situation of the are and they're going to p- hopefully build their way out of it. But overall, um, you know, there's just no, there's there's n- Part of the way is the industry has evolved uh, and the way that we watch it is there's just no baby faces anymore, but I think that leaves fans. I talked about this some last week we, uh, that leaves fans unsure about what to how to react you know I mean it's it's uh, as much as we want a sort of very modern or postmodern professional wrestling product, our our interaction with it is still very ingrained. you know it's very Pavlovian and we and and, and even the smarkiest of fans like, you know, you, if you don't know who the baby face and the heel are going into the mat. I mean, look at this. The it's To look at Kevin Owens and Seth Rollins, where you have the biggest heel in the company over the past two years on one side, and one of the most beloved wrestlers in the in the industry on the other side, despite the fact that he's working heel in a way that very—I mean, he is the a heel by every definition— and, and then, and 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 have and when uh, to to despite Triple H's interference in the title match, there's there was not a hard turn for Seth Rollins, right? So there's not. Uh, this is just it's putting Rollins, it's putting Owens, it's putting everybody in a weird position, you know, to and to to as far as the crowd reaction is going to go.
1: It's so it's just like you can have obviously the the postmodern ideal is. I think it's still a worthwhile ideal, and you can yeah. have ambiguity, but you have to have logical ambiguity, right? And I think that there's just kind of one too many or ten too many layers of things that just you kind of you can put up with a couple of them, but I don't know. It's just it makes for a it makes for a a flat crowd, I think, in a match like this. Like I know, I don't know, maybe people love this, but when Owens did the Crotch chop. Yeah. I kind of, I don't know. I thought to myself, like, I don't know. Like, Owen's just, he's, I mean, he's so popular and so well liked. Like, that is like the last thing. Like, if I was trying to turn Seth Rollins into a monster babyface. Yeah. And you told me that, okay, in the match where that's going to, that kind of <laughs> face coronation is going to happen, we're going to have the most popular guy on the roster do a crotch chop. Yeah i would i mean that's that seems
0: crazy it is crazy i that's another great like indie wrestling crossover thing too because clearly this is the the inspiration is the you know the involvement of triple h earlier in the month but the but yeah i mean that's for for a while the crotch shop has been the indie wrestler go-to of like people who have previously been wwe employees and stuff and and now the young bucks just do it you know like crazy um, but the uh, but yeah, I mean it was you're right. It, it was a weird move. And listen, maybe if the idea is that there, we don't need a baby face and everybody, you know, like Vince McMahon supposedly said three, two or three years ago that like faces and heels are over. That's great. It's just going to take some time for fans to adjust our sensibilities.
1: Hundred percent. And I think that that is really the bottom line. Right? It's not like a you know. I definitely don't. I am not down for like attitude era, like super nostalgia. And like, I don't think that I think, but at the same time, even though like the work rate is so much better now and there's like more things to me are better now than they were. The one thing that I, you definitely can't argue is that no matter whatever flaws the attitude era and et cetera had, there really is no replacement for a hot main event. Like, there's just no. Yeah, and in the attitude. That really is and in the
0: attitude era, there were, I mean, as sort of like innovative as a lot of the storytelling was, it was still, there were still very delineated, clearly delineated baby faces and heels. You know, it was Austin versus McMahon, it was DX versus the nation. Over on WCW, there was, you know, the NWO storyline was a heel invasion storyline, and it, and, and, you know, everyone can. Point at the various reasons for, for why the companies you know, why they lost their the, the lead in the Monday Night Wars and why the company sort of fell apart. But I think you can, wh- wherever you point, you can see it's right around the time when the NWO stopped being a uh, good versus evil storyline and started being a bunch of dudes hanging out in the ring and like cutting promos on nobody.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's also like on some level when Vince says that, it's almost like when you don't have a money making babyface. That's when you say that. Oh yeah, faces and heels don't exist. Right? That
0: that might be true, but the one he's always had is John Cena, which I think we should wrap up. But but it's worth it's worth talking about SmackDown a little bit. I mean, the SmackDown is the the main event picture on SmackDown is working right now. It's clicking right now. Uh, I I would say largely because of John Cena's involvement. I mean AJ Styles. We're talking. I mean talking about the lack of faces in the company it's we'd be remiss to not mention that aj styles was the biggest babyface in the company until they turned him heel to feud with john cena by far um now dean ambrose was arguably the top babyface in the company before he sort of started turning tweener in the midst of this feud with john cena um and i don't think that i don't i think that for for ambrose in particular that's a really good move i think that he's 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 hedging he's heading towards a sort of less definable character that's a better personality choice for him um probably closer to the real guy too but the but um and aj you know aj works so well as a heel that it's sort of hard to get too mad about that in a retrospect um but if we are in a world where faces and heels don't exist um it makes john cena's character so much juicier because it's like he's not being booked as a baby face that's just him and it and it's and, it, and it, i mean i think that's true and it and it's uh you know, it sort of puts everything, it, it's the whole, it's it's what we've been, what I've been talking about forever about how Cena is the biggest, uh, the biggest, has been the biggest heel in the business for the past, you know, three years or whatever, without ever changing his character. I mean, his, his color commentary during
1: the title match on SmackDown was yeah. like, was like a shade, like a quarter of a shade away from just like healing off saying like, yeah, I want to break the record now. So it's like, I just have decided like that that's what's going to happen. Yeah, and kind of like it was like uh I mean it was incredibly effective I thought. It was really good, but it was also obnoxious. Yeah. Um and I think that I think that Ambrose might be the guy on the roster who is most benefited by working with Cena. He seems like yeah. like he is only as good at like when he's when Ambrose is with like a mid Carter, he feels like a mid Carter. When he's with Cena, he feels like he belongs.
0: Sure, um, it's it's hard. It's it's we should we we should get it. We should get a, get moving. But the but it's it's hard to imagine. Um, I mean, it's hard to say for certain what what how Raw would be different if they had, if they had John Cena. But I think certainly. Um, if you just transposed him into the main event picture on Raw and let Owens and Rollins both play off of him, it would feel like—I mean, I've said forever—John Cena's most important attribute is he's the guy that makes the wrestlers you care about matter. And uh, yeah, and you... I, I just putting him in that trans, transposing him into the Raw main event, uh, it would, it, I think they it would they would they would be better off. I couldn't We'd agree be complaining. More. Oh go I'm sorry. Oh yeah, yeah. no. If you're going to agree with me, I'll let you talk. That's yeah, good. Yeah, that is it. Um yeah, I mean it like I think there would be justifiable complaints about Cena's, or maybe not about Cena's exposure if he were there, but he was but but yeah, I mean it would they need what Raw is lacking is the exact <laughs> thing that John Cena at his best brings and uh hopefully Raw will find their way to get there pretty soon.
1: Yeah, I the only other thing that strikes me about the SmackDown feud is that I am shocked that they're not Waiting until WrestleMania for Cena's breaking the record angle.
0: Maybe he's going to lose. Uh, maybe. Um, yeah, well, I guess we'll see. When is that pay-per-view? Tomorrow, I'm sure. <laughs> like, if you had told me Sunday, I would have believed it. I hope, hopefully it's not Sunday. It didn't really seem like that was, a go, that was the go-home show yet. But the, uh, um, there's, a lot of, oh, there's a lot of professional wrestling out there. Do you want to do before we get out of here, do you want to talk about Randy Orton and, and Bray Wyatt, or do you want to just leave that for some future time? Uh, we can leave it.
1: Let's just say that that might be my least favorite feud of all time.
0: <laughs> the, uh, yeah, I can't like that was my feeling until the last segment on SmackDown when Orton found Bray. I was laughing so hard that like it sort of redeemed itself. It but might I be don't, getting to that point. I don't think that was the intended but reaction.
1: If I could like eternal sunshine of the spotless mind, <laughs> like the stuff I've watched, I would I would do that. I would just or like that men in black little clicker, I would just erase it right now.
0: Yeah. No, I think I think that's totally legitimate. Um Yeah, I mean it's it's a very strange it's really strange. Weird that they didn't use this opportunity of the brand split to reboot Bray Wyatt more than they have. He seemed to get a new outfit and a slightly and a slightly I wonder if Bray and whoever is writing for Bray, I know that, that he's got a, he's got a guy that he works pretty closely with. If they're a little bit too close to uh the character and they think that they're making dramatic changes with him when in fact no one else can perceive the difference.
1: Other than like he has he wears like a different jacket yeah or whatever like i don't think that there's any difference at all it's still the same that those droning on like purple pros like oh my god I can't well i mean if we're, if we're
0: just gonna split hairs the fact that they bring they brought back he's got the whole world in his hands and didn't save that for the inevitable sort of face turn or whatever is pretty incredible you know like it's when you're feuding with randy orton and you're singing a song the whole crowd is going to sing along with that's sort of a i don't know it's, it seems like an odd decision yeah, he. I mean, he was on the short list
1: for when they did the brand split. If you were making a short list of, okay, uh, split the roster in half, and, and and this guy get getting a longer look. Yeah, he would be like probably you know top one or two people on that list you would have made. Yeah, so it's really surprising that they let him kind of.
0: Um, well, if if WWE buys TNA, um, we can all get excited about his inevitable feud with Abyss. That will be, uh, you know. A, 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 dream matchup on the scale on the level of undertaker versus sting that we've all been thinking about for a long time um jeff hardy did say by the way that he's that i think he reiterated that he wants to have one last match he wants to have the, like, the undertaker wrestlemania match and then retire
1: oh, that's so generous of him
0: i know exactly <laughs> i think we should just do a poll can we get every wrestler every <laughs> professional wrestler to comment i mean just to publicly say like would you accept a wrestlemania <laughs> retirement match against the undertaker uh, and and then we can just stop reporting that as news from now on. Anyway, um, uh, I wish all the best to, to the Hardy bro- the Hardy brothers and uh, and everybody on TNA over the next week. I hope that I hope that Bound for Glory happens, but I, I hope that you know they find a place of comfortable employment at the end of all this too. Um, WW whether or not it's WWE, uh, I guess that remains to be seen. Any closing thoughts for the week?
1: No, I mean we'll just we'll update everyone on on our TNA bid. I guess uh, another time. Right yeah. now, yeah.
0: If the podcast doesn't happen next week, it's because Sam and I are deep or are, are deeply involved in booking committee meetings uh, for 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 this upcoming TNA show. They said it costs six hundred thousand dollars to put on a show. It's a lot to put on, like a Bound for Glory. I yeah, I
1: one of the TV tapings.
0: Yeah, I mean, imagine how much WWE spends on a SummerSlam or WrestleMania. Just how much? How much does it cost to build like those giant palm trees that hold up the Titan tr I mean, hold up the you know that that are like come out of the ring posts or whatever.
1: I mean, TNA's version would just be like, like a little plant, I guess.
0: I but. joked after WrestleMania 30 that WWE's confetti budget was probably higher than TNA's altogether budget, but it's not. I mean, it, obviously it's a joke, but it's a. Uh, yeah, I mean it's it's a lot. They, WWE spends a shit ton of money at these big shows. I mean, there's you just look around and you see it everywhere, and somehow they still can't find the extra cash to do the t- to do my T-shirt idea where they sell T-shirts for the winner of every big of the big events. That um,
1: idea could pay for TNA.
0: That idea alone. Yeah, I shouldn't have given it away then. Then we could have really bought TNA. Um, well, let's get out of here. I'll go talk to Bill Simmons and see if he wants to make a bid. Um, uh, Until next time, uh, let me know if you're going to bid anyone that's listening to this. And, uh, you know, may the best mark win. Humanoids.